Bruce Mace emailed me this week with some Doors lyrics and said, I thought of you when I heard this on the radio, and I said, stay tuned, buddy, Janis Joplin this Sunday. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I thought of that song as I was studying this week, and I texted Tom, and I said, what do you think about singing this? And he said, I'm in. (laughs) So, is that how we should pray? Won't you give me a Mercedes-Benz, a color TV? flat screen TV. Uh, this, this text, what I think is so important when we study the scriptures is that scripture interprets scripture. And if we take one chunk of scripture uh, without looking at the whole narrative flow of God's story, we're, we're bound to misread it. We're bound to misinterpret it. Uh, and when I think about ask, seek, knock, you know, Your Heavenly Father, he wants to give good gifts to you, so why aren't we all millionaires? Uh, (laughs) I think God knows we wouldn't be good millionaires. Uh, (laughs) God knows what's best for us. And when we look at other scriptures, uh, like this from Jesus, where he prays in the Garden of Gethsemane, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. That Jesus, in pain, in agony, and knowing what was coming with the physical, emotional, spiritual torment of the cross, says, I, I, I really don't want to do this. If there's another way, let's go that direction. Uh, or you just read, just grab uh, the Psalms and read through some of the Psalms and see the anguish pouring out of the Psalms. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? This doesn't sound very much like ask and you'll receive, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened. Uh, What is going on here? And why is Jesus saying things like simply ask, seek, and knock. These words, uh, ask, seek, and knock, uh, ask simply means to ask or request. Seek, it has this sense of to search out, to investigate. It's the same word that Jesus uses when he says, seek first the kingdom. It's something we're to pursue, to go after with our whole heart and being. It's not simply just asking. And knock, it, it means to beat a door with a stick, to knock with a heavy blow. It's not like showing up and knock, knock, knock. It's like going after it, pounding on the door. It reminds me of something we talked about a few weeks ago in John 1. These early disciples of Jesus, there were a couple of disciples following John the Baptist. And when John the Baptist said, look, behold, the Lamb of God that will rescue the world. These two disciples left John and started following Jesus. And Jesus turns around and says, what do you want? And Jesus isn't saying, what do you want? Jesus is getting after their core longings, their core desires. What is within them that is being birthed? What new thing is being birthed? 
and they are longing to find it. They are seeking after it, and they're following this one that their former rabbi told them, he's the guy. He's the one who will rescue the world, and they follow him. Uh, Jesus uses some examples here. He says, which of you, if your child asks for bread, will give him a stone, or if he asks for fish, will give him a snake? Uh, So how many of you have kids, whether grown kids or young kids? Okay, so uh, tell me some things your kids ask for. What do your kids ask for? Say it. Oh, little go-karts, okay. Candy, I heard. Alexa. Alexa. <laughs> oh, God, won't you give me? Uh, what else? Puppies. Money. Yeah, give me money. Okay, uh, so do you give your kids everything they ask for? Why? Aren't you good parents? Why don't you give them everything they ask for? Uh, You see what Jesus is getting after here? Uh, Interestingly, Jesus, the examples Jesus uses are basic needs. If a child asks for bread, you don't give them a stone. If a child asks for fish, you don't give them a snake. They're talking about basic needs. If If your child is hungry, do you give them something to eat? Yeah. Yeah, so Jesus is talking about our most basic needs, Uh, something we talked about last week when Jesus was talking about do not worry. Do not worry about what you will eat or what you will drink or what you will wear. Talking about basic needs. And and for us, we talked about how we in our world often, uh, we worry about how the food is prepared and whether it's organic or gluten-free or soy-free or dairy-free or vegetarian, not if we're going to eat or not. Uh, We worry about if the water is actually filtered, not if we're going to have water to drink. We worry about what we look like in our clothes, not if we're going to actually have clothes. Jesus is speaking into a context in the first century where I wonder what they were asking, seeking, and knocking about. Uh, These two disciples that left John the Baptist to follow Jesus, their, their initial thought was, this is the guy who will become king and kick Rome out of our place. And what they're asking for, what they're seeking for, is a military king who will defeat Rome. And what they come to find out is they're following a guy who's going to be a crucified Messiah. That that what they thought they were seeking for is not what Jesus was about. And they had to learn a very, very difficult way, the way of the cross. That if you're going to follow this man, it's going to look different than what you think you want. Because what you really want, your deep, deep core longings, have so much more to do with the creator God of the universe than you ever imagined. God God has birthed something within us that is always stirring if we just wake up to what it is. And God invites us into that way of being in the world. Uh, When I think about what children ask for, uh, or what maybe adult billionaire children ask for, I wonder, why why does Elon Musk get all the fun toys? Like (laughs) Tesla Roadster, next slide, he gets to launch rockets, next slide, he gets to put a Tesla Roadster in space. 
space. Uh, and if that wasn't enough, uh, he just sells flamethrowers. Uh, did you hear about this? A couple of weeks ago, he uh, put out these flamethrowers, and he said it's a horrible idea, don't buy one. And he sold out in four days $10 million worth of flamethrowers, which kind of seems to subvert his whole thing about conservation. Uh, but <laughs> flamethrowers. Uh, so I'm thinking that one of the, as I was studying this, one, one of the tensions for me is... Uh, of course God wants to meet our basic needs. And God is a good God who is for us and with us. I also believe that God delights in seeing us delight. That, that God longs to see our joy, which brings God joy. Uh, I was uh, sitting at our kitchen table the other night with... Uh, my daughters, and my youngest daughter, who's four, she was sharing with the older two girls about how her and I had played Uno earlier that day, and she was telling them, I beat daddy at Uno. Uh, and she takes off, and the other two girls are sitting there, and they're like, Rainy beat you at Uno? And I, I said, yeah, and I told them how I stacked the deck. I gave her all these draw fours, and I gave her all these really good cards. And as she's picking the cards up, and her grin keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and then as she would lay a draw four and just start laughing and laughing and laughing, and how much joy that brought me. And my older two girls are just laughing about this. And so then I said to my uh, second born, I said, you might not remember this, but a few years ago when you were about Rainey's age, and I think I might have shared this story with you all when I did this, but uh, I was playing Uno with her one day, and I did the same thing. And when she picked up her cards, she looked at them and then looked up to the heavens and said, thank you, God! <laughs> and I'm like, God didn't give you those cards, I did. <laughs> but I think... God longs to delight in us the way we long to delight in our children. It brings God joy to give us good gifts and that God delights in us. Um, and so when I think about what, what does it look like to ask, to seek, to knock, uh, this, uh, well, talking last week about do not worry, and then also what does it look like to ask of God and, and how all this teaching of Jesus is all connected. In, in Philippians, Paul says this, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So when I think about all our worries from last week, the invitation is to turn those worries into prayer. What would it look like if our worries, our anxiety, were actual prayers? To turn those from worry, from anxiety, from carrying the stress of it and turning it into prayer and being thankful. What if our prayers began with thanksgiving more than asking? What, what if our prayers were filled with more silence and listening 
and being present to God as God is present to us and allowing the peace of God to overwhelm us, the goodness of God, the love of God to overwhelm us. Uh, If we would simply churn our anxieties, our worries, into prayers. Um, Jesus says, If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask them? Evil here, uh, in Jesus' understanding, if I can have the next slide, it's that which harms shalom. Uh, We've talked a lot about God's shalom here, that God created us to be in relationships of shalom with God, with others, with each other, uh, within ourselves, and with the creation he's entrusted us with. And evil is that which harms shalom. Evil is that which harms relationships. Evil is that which comes between us and God, us and others, us and ourselves, and us and the creation. And, And God's invitation is to live a way counter to that, that God created all things beautiful and good and shalom, and shalom has been shattered, and we're invited into a way of being that is restoring shalom. Jesus came to restore shalom, to restore and heal all the relationships that have been broken. Good gifts. Your Father in heaven gives good gifts. The the Greek there is only one word, and it's the good, that which is intrinsically good, good in nature, describes what originates from God. So there's a difference between good gifts from God, the good, intrinsically good, that which originates from God, and goods. And I think sometimes we can get them confused. If God really loved me, if God really answered prayer, then I would have these things or this way of life that I want, and I don't have that. But that's not what Jesus is talking about here. Jesus is talking about that which is intrinsically a part of who God is, that God longs to give God's self to us. And at the heart of this is God's love. The best gift we can receive is the gift of God's love. And this God who loved us so much, he sent Jesus to show us the best way to live, to show us how to die, to show us how to rise again. Uh, This Jesus, who we claim to be the Messiah, God in the flesh, is the best gift we could ever receive. This is the good gift that Jesus came into the world to rescue us, to redeem us, and to show us a better way of being human in the world. So in everything, verse 12, do to others what what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Uh, In the Greek, there's a therefore. It says, in everything, therefore, do to others what you would have them do to you. So the the question is, 
If there's a therefore, what's it there for? And what came before is this idea of good gifts. Your Father in heaven will give good gifts. Therefore, you do to others what you would have them do to you. This golden rule that uh, is the same in so many cultures all across the world. Uh, do to others what you would have them do to you. What, what is Jesus getting at in his telling of you to others what you would have them do to you? Last week, uh, this is what the cross looked like. We, uh, for those who weren't here, we, at the beginning of the service, we uh, wrote our worries on post-its and posted them all around the room. And then when we came forward for communion, people grabbed post-its and prayed for them on behalf of others and put them on the cross or at the foot of the cross. Uh, and it was a beautiful, powerful statement of community, communal prayer, and, and our community praying for one another and, and putting those, turning those worries into prayers and putting them on the cross. Um, so I, I read them all. And... Um, I uh, found some different, some themes, obviously, and uh, some patterns and some categories. The first has to do with the self. Uh, so there's a lot of worries about image, health, work, school, relationships. If you remember last week, we was all in, so we had all the kids and, and teenagers in here with us. So a lot of worries about school, um, relationships. Next slide. The, another category was others, so a lot of us worried about our kids, our parents, our spouses, our extended family, health of family, and friends. And then there was a whole category around money, uh, worry about debt, retirement, finances in general. And so um, it, that made up probably 90 to 95% of the worries in the room, uh, self, others, money. Uh, then there was uh, 5 to 10% that kind of broke outside of that mold, and, and there were concerns and worries about things bigger than ourselves and our immediate context, and, and they were these things, doing God's will, leaving a legacy, helping those in need, uh, the country, the world, the planet. Um, this, a, a child wrote this. I thought this was... Amazing. One of our children worries about people in different countries. Uh, so as I think about this, the, the progression of worries, when, when we're um, caught up in our own world, uh, we, we live very anxious lives around the things that are, are most close to us. And this makes sense. This is humanity we're talking about. Of course, we have thoughts about ourselves and, and those closest to us. Uh, but when we're able to break beyond that and think about something bigger than ourselves, something shifts, something changes within us. And uh, when I think about what Jesus said, do to others as you would have them do to you, the thought is, we need self-care, don't we? You, you cannot serve others well. You cannot love others well 
if you're not loving yourself well. There, there's a reason why the command is love others as you love yourself. We, we live in a shame-based culture that often tells us to, that it, self-love, like you shouldn't love yourself, you should love other people. You cannot love other people if you don't love yourself. You can't. You have been created in God's image and God's love and favor rest on you and you should love yourself. And you should care for yourself well because the result will be that you will love others well and you will care for others well. And so until we are healthy within ourselves, we're going to interact with others in unhealthy ways. And so the invitation, I believe, from Jesus, this, this movement from self to those closest to us, to those beyond us, and ultimately to the planet itself, is that if we, if, so here's a point, if we worry about our kids and our grandkids, we should worry about the planet. Uh, if we want to leave a legacy, if we want to leave a healthy place for those who will come after us, we should be concerned about global things. And we should turn those worries into prayer. We should give them to God, and we should actively engage and do things with our lives that are going to leave a better world for those who live after us. And so I believe the invitation from Jesus is that we need good self-care, good self-love, so that we can love those closest to us well and so that ultimately we can love the world well. And we have been entrusted with this world. And so we must care for ourselves well in order to care for the world in a healthy way. So Jesus says, if you would give good gifts to your children, how much more would God give good gifts to you? The, The word Eucharist is two words. It's you, good, charis, gift or grace. Good gift, good grace. Uh, when we come and partake of the bread and the cup, when we experience communion, the Lord's Supper, the Eucharist, when we take this bread and dip it in this cup, we are experiencing the good gift of God. We are experiencing a good gift that Jesus left us. Jesus left us this gift to remind us of his goodness to us. Jesus left us this gift to remind us of his life. Jesus left us this gift to remind us of the cross and his death and what he came to accomplish through the cross, which is nothing short of the restoration of all things. Your restoration, my restoration, the restoration of the world, the restoration of the planet. Jesus left us this good gift to remind us. And so this morning, as we come and we partake of the bread and the cup, I want to invite you to look to God and ask, seek, knock. Tap into those core longings, those core desires that God has given you. And believe, trust that God is good, 
God is for you, God is with you, and God wants your best. And that God longs for you to be healthy so that you can share that love with the world. Uh, if I can have the image of the cross with the post-its again, Mary Beth. Um, this is a good gift. Uh, Jesus came and showed us what a good gift is, and it's self-giving love. Jesus came to give himself away. Jesus came and died on the cross for us, and the invitation for us is to follow that pattern. A life of self-giving love, a life of forgiveness, a life of healing, a life of hope, a life of spreading that self-giving love through the world to bring about God's restoration of all things. Uh, And it's not possible apart from a life rooted and embedded in Jesus, who came to give us this kind of life. Uh, On the night he was betrayed, Jesus took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is given for you. Take it and eat it in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup. He said, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. Take it and drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for this good gift, this reminder that you came to rescue us and you came to free us to live the best possible life now. God, help us to love ourselves well so that we can love those closest to us well so we can love the world well. God, this morning as we take the bread and dip it in the cup, remind us of your goodness, remind us of your love. Fill us with your Holy Spirit and with your love. And may we be a people who spread that love throughout the world. Pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.